Come on, good morning to the chaplain, Richmond, men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you. We're starting a brand new mini series today called Generous, and I can't wait to tell you about that more in just a second. But always love to start off by looking in the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Scott's Edition in Richmond. Hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving. Love you. Love what God's doing in the heart of our city in Richmond. And of course, to the men and women of Chesterfield County Jail, you are not a project to us. You are our people. And uh, and so we're excited to be with you as, uh, as well this morning. How's everybody feel on the Sunday after Thanksgiving? I know how it is, right? This is the one of the most challenging Sundays of the year to preach. But every week's easy with you, so here we go. Uh, but um, hope you had an amazing holiday season. I want to just let you know of a few things because I know this holiday season gets real busy and so much is coming just around the corner in our church. But uh, I'm going to tell you about Christmas services in just a second. But um, in two weeks, we have First Wednesday and we're going to do something different on First Wednesday than we've ever done before. That is, we're going to highlight some stories of what God's doing in the jail and what God's going to do in uh, Chapel in Espanol. In fact, we put together this little card. You probably got one of these. If you didn't get one of these, cards on the way out today and it just lets you know what our heart is for missions this Christmas season and we're going to get a chance to hear some stories of, of, a, of a dad and a son and what God did in breaking the years of 50 almost 50 years of addiction and what God's doing in the generations so you don't want to miss that first Wednesday in uh, in two weeks and it really highlights what, what what it's on our heart this Christmas mission so you know I never ask you to give a certain amount I just ask you to ask God what he wants you to give and all of us together in this um, in this season of generosity. So that's first Wednesday. And then I want to tell you um, a little bit of what's coming at the very end of the month, and that is we're doing church from home on Christmas Day and uh, and New Year's Day. So we have so many, uh, you know this, we have so many chapel team members that serve in kids and media and production and worship and coffee that get here long before any of us get here. You know they had coffee brewing at 628 this morning. That's what somebody told me. Come on. Amen. And uh, and so we, we always recognize the, the holiday time and give our teams a week off. And, 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 um, and so just want you to know that in case on, on New Year's Day you drive to the church and you're the only one here, that'd be great. You can pray in the parking lot. But, uh, but we'll be back together. We, we just start preparing a great uh, services online, all of us together. And then we're back in January, 21 days of prayer. You know that every morning at 7 a.m. So, um, but I want to also just make sure you had this on your radar, and that is uh, Christmas at the chapel December 18th and 24 uh, December 18th to 24th so we're doing something different Christmas services start that Sunday and so we'll do two morning services and evening that Sunday different times so make sure you note those and then the following week we're just trying to spread them out and RSVPs go live on December 1st and so you help us when you RSVP just plan all the different services and we have an extra time slot that we can add an additional service if we have to so just help us kind of, uh, it just is a way of helping us all not go to the same service. And, and I'm telling you, it's going to be the best we've ever done. I'm telling you, they've recorded some of the music already, some of the strings. They're beautiful, some funny elements. You're, you're going to want to invite somebody to be a part of uh, Christmas at the chapel. Well, um, uh, I want to just remind you, kind of get us started here this weekend by reminding us that there's more to this life than this life. 
How many know that's true? There's more to this life than this life. And in fact, this time of year, if we're not careful, it, it pushes us into thinking so much about commercialism and buying and, and, and going and, and busyness that if we're not careful, we get caught in the here and now. Where are the people that you like to shop on Friday? Come on, show me, show me the Black Friday people. Come on, just raise your hand. God bless you. We'll do an altar call at the end and... Uh, but, you know, I mean, we just got a culture of busyness and craziness and all this kind of stuff. And so we always do a couple weeks at the end of the year that just remind us that this life is not all there is. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a bah humbug guy today. I like I like lights and candles and Christmas music. And I'm not mad at Santa or we're not that kind of church or whatever. But, but how many know we do, if we're not careful, we can get uh, this time of year, there's a gravitational pull into ourself into selfishness and what we can get or what other people can get us and how it's going to work out. And, and so I just want to talk to us over this week and the next week of, of uh, God's heart for us, not just for us, but for, for eternity, for his kingdom, for his purpose in our lives. And I don't know if you know, Drake popularized this phrase. Uh, you might have heard of it. Come on, YOLO, right? YOLO, right? Come on, say that with me, YOLO. It's fun to say, isn't it? Meaning you only live once, right? And so this phrase is used to kind of say, well, go for it. Live all you got. I mean, uh, uh, who cares about tomorrow? Go, just, just live wildly, recklessly. You only live once. And the only problem with this is it's not true. So I am going to start a new word today at the chapel. Hashtag, not hashtag YOLO, but come on, somebody, you ready for it? Come on, hashtag Yolt. Isn't that good? Yolt. Come on, say that with me. You only live. Because the Bible says that literally man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. Happy Thanksgiving. You're going to die. You say, no, pastor, I eat organic even on Thanksgiving. You're still going to die. You're just not going to be happy when doing it, right? <laughs> How many know uh, uh, all of us one day will die, right? And I know this is encouraging this holiday season. You're going to die. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're going to die. Come on, tell them you're going to die. I mean... <laughs> And what, what, what I think I'm trying to remind us of this week and the next week in this holiday season is not to live as prisoners over the here and now, focused on only what is here. Jesus said we ought to be people who think about another kingdom and another day, that, that we can store up for ourselves treasures here on earth, but those pass away, they rust, they, they mold, they can be stolen. But we can live for another kingdom and another place, right? In fact, Mark Twain, I love this quote, there are two great days in our lives, the day we're born and the day we discover why we're born. I think all of us are made to be reminded that we have a purpose. In fact, do you know the most sold book in U.S. history besides the Bible is Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. You remember that book? And I think the reason that is is because it struck a chord in all of us that we were born wanting to have purpose. Wanting to have meaning, wanting to have destiny on our lives, not just to endure through life, meander, uh, aimlessly living in life. We were made to live with purpose, right? And I think there's two ways to live life. One is thinking that there's no purpose, just wandering. The other is to live with definite purpose, right? The difference is easily seen when I go Christmas shopping with my 13-year-old daughter, okay? 
She lives and shops with total purposelessness. She walks in the store and whatever display is there, whatever's happening, she just kind of meanders through. That's not me. On the way to the store, I want to know what we need. And I'm going to map out the the quickest, most expedient, diligent, uh, efficient way to get everything we need. We'll split up. I'll go here. You go here. I can meet you back at this counter in three minutes. We can be in and out of here. There's some kind of 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 a metal I'm trying to win right now. Come on. But how many know she's just meandering after the gods of this world, right? And, and I think so many people in life don't have purpose and focus and where they're headed. So I want to talk to us today about living with purpose, living with meaning, living with a sense of focus in our life. And I want to talk to us from uh, the, probably the most famous miracle Jesus ever did. It's a miracle that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record this miracle of Jesus. And in fact, probably everybody here knows this miracle, even if you didn't grow up in church. Probably you know this miracle. Watch the feeding of the, come on, the feeding of the 5,000, right? And it's this story of Jesus and his disciples ministering all day. And at the end of a long day, nobody's eaten. And Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them, give the people something to eat. Now, that's an easy verse to read. I want you to imagine you're in the first century with Jesus, and there are 5,000 people there. Well, 5,000 men, historians tell us, because Jewish people would have only counted men in the numbering. So there's more than 5,000, probably fifteen to 20,000 people there. And Jesus turns to them and says, why don't we feed them? Now, I don't know how big the crew is that you fed on Thanksgiving, but probably nobody fed 20,000, right? In fact, anybody here feed more than 10 people? Come on, just raise your hand. Anybody more than 20 people? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody Anybody more than 25? 30? Wow, she gets an award over there. Come on, give her a hand. 30, coming to your house next year. And... Uh, and, and, and so we, we know what it's like to prepare, but Jesus turns to his disciples after a busy day and says, we're going to feed them. And, and it's right on the heels of the disciples and the apostles had just returned to Jesus. And they've been spending the full day ministering, care, caring for other people, doing miracles, teaching. And they're reporting it back to Jesus. And Jesus says, well, after this full day, they're tired out. They're worn out. And, and Jesus tells them, no, I want you to feed the people. Here's the principle. Just write this down this weekend that God wants to use us to impact those around us. Hey, God wants to use us to impact those around us, right? Somebody said you can be a thermostat or a thermometer, right? And and God's called us not to be uh, adapt to the world around us, but to influence the world around us. Anybody believe that, right? And so Jesus tells his disciples, the world around you is hungry, but because of your faith, I believe they can be fed. And he challenges them in this moment to be diligently committed to serving the people. And imagine the disciples in this moment, their feelings like they're tired, okay? And they're weary. In fact, just around here, Jesus says to them, let's get some rest, Let's go to a desolate place and rest for a while. Aren't you thankful that God gives us rest? I mean, this is a weekend to get a little rest before the next month gets crazy, right? And so I want everybody here this weekend to take a nap. Doesn't it feel like a nap kind of day? Not right now. Come on, some of you. But, but Jesus is not against rest and 
The disciples have had a busy day of ministry and they're, they're tired. They've given out spiritually and so there's a spiritual fatigue to just giving and serving and pouring out in others. And, and so Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to have a season of rest. Let's go and let's pull away. And so the Bible tells us they get in a boat and they start heading to the other side of the lake to get away from the crowd so that they can get a moment of rest. And something amazing happens when the people saw the disciples get in the boat and recognize them. They ran along the shore next to the boat and all went from the other towns and got to the other side of the lake before them. How many know this is an annoying verse, right? Put yourself in the disciples in Jesus' shoes. They say, man, we're tired. It's been a long day of ministry. Let's, let's, there's so many needs from people, but we need to catch our breath and so we're going to get in the boat. Let's go to the other side and just rest. And as they get in the boat and push away, they start moving and going to the other side. And they can see the people following them around the lake and literally beating them to the other side of the lake. Imagine Jesus and the disciples when they're like, bye, guys. Have a great day. They show up on the other side and everyone's like, welcome. You know? Have you ever wanted to not see someone you know and you do see them? Come on, let's just be honest. Have you ever been in a store and you, and you see someone you know, but you're not in a talkative mood? All right, this side isn't. Let's go over here. Come on, how many know what I'm saying? And you have to decide whether you're going to talk to them. And it's dependent on what? If they see you. If they don't see you, you're good. And so you're kind of... No eye contact, no eye contact, no eye contact. Hey, I can't believe it's you. Come on, where's anybody ever done that? Come on, right? Like, I'm just, I don't have it in me. You know, I'm just, this is Jesus and the disciples moving from one side to another. And the people follow after them. And in the middle of a moment of fatigue, I want you to see Jesus' heart. It's really amazing. When he went ashore and saw a great crowd, come on, look at this word. He had what? He had compassion on them. The Greek word is splagna. Come on, say that with me, splagna. Come on, just turn to the person next to you and tell them splagna. You know what I mean? Isn't that just such a great word? You say, I don't know what it means. It, you don't have to. It, you, it feels like what it means. It literally means in Greek, uh, kidneys. <laughs> Which it's, here's the idea. It's we would say, I love you with my gut. Do we say that? What would we say? I don't know what he said. Like, like, well, everything I got from the bottom of my heart, like from my inside, that's the idea. Jesus looked at this crowd and he had compassion on them. Now, I want you to see in just a second, Jesus is going to change their life. But I want you to see changing our world doesn't begin with a plan. It begins with compassion. It begins with seeing people for who they are in their own brokenness and loving them. And listen, I want to say this, and I, you know where we stand biblically on all the issues as a church. You know we're, we're all Bible people. Everybody knows that, right? But if we're not careful, the church can curse the darkness instead of shining the light. And we need to look at people in their brokenness, their sin. They don't think like us. They don't live like us. They don't follow the vet. I get all that. But we need to be people who have compassion for them and have a heart that's burdened for them, right? Jesus saw the people at the end of a long day, and the Bible said he had compassion on them. Why? Because he saw them. They were like sheep without a what? A shepherd. They were wandering. 
They had no purpose. They had no direction. They didn't know where they were going. They weren't living for a reason. They weren't living with a, with a hope and a future. And I want to just say that's the, I don't know if you've opened your eyes lately and looked at the world around us, but they are dying for purpose. They are dying for direction. They are dying. I mean, you got people everywhere living for, for, for the, uh, I shouldn't, when I give illustrations, sometimes it offends people. But the other day I was at a drive-thru and the, and the person, the, the person said to me at Starbucks, they said, do you want a, wa- a, a straw with your water? And I said, no, I'm fine. And they said, great job. As if I had saved the whole world by turning down my straw. And I literally thought to myself, there are some people whose whole purpose is to cut down on straws. Now, just so you know, if that's you, I don't need a straw, so I'm doing my part. But I'm just telling you, we need a bigger purpose and plan than something like that. We need a purpose and plan for things that are eternal for people's lives, right? And if we're not careful, our culture is chasing down all these little side roads, looking for direction, looking for purpose, looking for meaning, looking for something to give them a sense of identity. And Jesus saw people and he had compassion for them like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to minister to them. And God wants to give us compassion for the world around us, right? And Jesus says to his disciples, here's what I want us to do. I want us to feed all 20,000 of these people. And Philip was there and look at his answer. He said, well, Jesus, we'd need 200 denarii meaning 200 days wages that wouldn't even be enough to buy bread for each of them to get a little has anybody had a realist in your family right that's philip jesus says we're gonna feed all them and philip says i don't know how that's possible there's 20,000 people and we don't have enough money in fact that would take all this all this money and jesus i don't know what's gonna happen and And here's what he's saying. We don't have enough to do what Jesus is telling us to do. Just write this down this weekend. Our resources and strength will never be enough. How many know God always calls us to do something that isn't, that we don't have enough for? You want to know why? Because that puts us in a place of dependence upon him. You are not enough. I am not enough. This church is not enough. He's going to call us to do things that, that expand the borders and horizon of what, of when we feel the humility and the humanity of our own, of our own limit, limit. And God's going to say, that's where I can show up and show myself strong, right? Have you ever felt like you just didn't have enough, right? This is, this is Philip. This is the disciples. How are we ever going to do, Jesus, what you called us to do? How are we ever going to make a difference in this city, in Richmond, and in, in, in this community, and in the nations, and in the world? How are we going to make a difference in the prison? How are we going to make a difference in this community? God, how can we do all this? And, and they feel a sense of their own limit. limit. And literally, it's getting late, and they, they have a plan, so they say to Jesus, this is a desolate place, and the hour's late send them away to go into this surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Meaning we don't have enough, Jesus. It's getting late at night. It's been a long day. Let's send them away. And Jesus is about to teach them that even though they don't have enough, just write this down, it's so true. When we give, oh no, sorry. I'm sorry, there's one more verse. Sorry, it's Thanksgiving. But Jesus answered, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than what? 200 denarii. I want you to see this. Philip earlier had said it'll take 200 denarii. Now guess what all the disciples are saying. How many know a negative attitude spreads? How many know a negative report spreads? How many know complaints 
are easy to do. I have a word for saints on complaints. Come on. How many know it's easy to complain? In fact, we spent a whole series in the book of Joshua, which saw a whole people whose lives and future were limited for 40 years because they had complaining down. And here's what happened. Philip starts with his complaint. Here's kind of how I imagine it. Philip coming to the disciples and being like, have you heard what Jesus wants? He wants us to feed 20,000 people. And I've been doing the math. Oh, you haven't been doing the math, Philip? Oh, yeah. I'm the, I'm the math guy. And I've discovered it's going to take over 200 days wages. 200 days wages? 200 days wages. Oh, and his negative, murmuring, complaining, critical, cynical. I've found that cynics always call themselves realists. That's just for free, but okay. And here's what happens. His negative report spreads into this. I think we need people who still believe God can do anything. Am I in that room today? Come on, in Richmond, Scott's edition online. God can do anything. And here's what they know. They may not have enough, but God is always in the business of taking not enough. Because here's why. When we give what we have to God, he will use it, right? And so they, Jesus says, feed them, and they do an audit of what they have. And Jesus asks them this question, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, come on, look at the report. We have what? One, one Panera value meal. That's all we've got. They're out of broccoli cheese soup, too, so it's just the other kind. Five loaves and two fish, Right? Now, these are not Wonder Bread loaves. These would be, in the ancient world, a little uh, sort of uh, circular, um, two to four inch. It's a, it's a, this little, this is a mom who made lunch for her son. This is not lunch for everyone. And I've heard people, I was reading some commentaries that go, it could have been a large loaf. Well, I got news for you. Five loaves don't feed 20,000 people. So you can try to take the miracles out of the Bible, but you're still, I mean, to think of how big these loaves would have to be to feed. Do I need to show you how irrational that is? How many know God can do anything, right? So he gives them, they, they bring it, and literally the disciples ask this question, what are these, this five loaves and these two fish what are they for so many have you ever felt like the need was bigger than your supply right have you ever felt like what God called us to is bigger than what we could do and here's what Jesus is about to do he's about to thank God for what he has the Bible says he probably would the Bible says Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks and passed it out to his disciples he probably Jesus would have prayed a quick customary Jewish prayer Something like, oh, Lord, you're the creator of all things. So bless this food. We are thankful for it. And as he handles, hands it out, God does something amazing. But I, I wrote this down this week. And let, until we're thankful for what is not enough, we cannot be multiplied into what is more than enough. I want you to see, doesn't it seem backwards for Jesus to thank God for five loaves and two fish? If it was me, it would be like, hey, God, this feels like a bad deal. We just got this Lunchable from this kid. His mom's going to be ticked. Everybody else is probably hiding their lunches. By the way, I think some adults there had some lunches and weren't sharing them. Come on. You know who you are. And, uh, 
right? And yet Jesus thanks God. Jesus, until we're thankful for what we have, God can't set his hand on it. Any people thankful, you may not have everything you could ever dream, but any people have reason this holiday weekend to be thankful to God, right? Until we're thankful... For what we have, God can't bless it. And Jesus, taking taking the loaves and the fish, he looks up to heaven, he says a blessing, and he breaks the loaves and hands them out. And I love how the Bible says it because it leaves out all the details we want to know. Don't you want to know how this multiplication took place? I want to know, did he just take a piece of bread and hand it off? And then it was like, whoa. I want to know what happened to the fish. Did the fi- I mean, like how? But there's no verse. It's like he broke it. He said a blessing, and they all ate. I could use a little more detail than that, Mark. Blessed it, broke the loaves, and they were all all ate and were satisfied. How many know God can take care of things, right? And he takes what the little boy has and he blesses and multiplies it and he use it to meet, uses it to meet the needs of the world around them. Hear me today. You might be here and you say, Pastor, what I have isn't enough. My gift, my calling, my ability, my intellect, my all that I don't have, what I have is not enough. But God is reminding us today, all we're responsible to do is give him what we have and he can bless and multiply it, right? In fact, you know, Jesus told a story about different talents. He says, all of us have different talents. There's people with five talents and three and two and one talent. Here's what he's saying. Uh, Our responsibility isn't to have the same level of gifting as somebody else. It's just to be faithful with the gift we have, right? And here's the point. God is saying, if I'll just be faithful with the gift you have, and I can make up the difference. And Jesus actually doesn't need very much. He just needs one willing boy and to get Philip out of the way, and he can do something great, right? And he feeds the people, and miracles happen. And in the middle of all of this, God provides and meets the needs for the world around him. How many know God wants to use us to meet the needs, right? The the disciples said, send the people away. Jesus said, we're going to be used to be a part of it. How many know God could have done it without the disciples, right? Now, I know the disciples are bad guys in most of this text. They lack faith. But I just had one thought this week preparing. And that is that there actually is a moment that they were somewhat faith-filled. Because Jesus handed them this little bit of food and said, hand it out. How many know that took a little bit of faith to walk over to a group with this much and be like, so... Got some food, everybody. <laughs> and in that moment, here's what they discovered, that in their going, it was multiplied. How many know in our faithfulness, God multiplies? It's not when we sit in the bow or stand in the safe place, but when we faithfully take a step of faith, God meets us in that place, and, and he does great things. And so it's a great story. The Bible says everyone ate and was satisfied, and the Bible includes one more thing, and that was that after everybody ate and satisfied, it's an interesting detail, there was some leftovers. Come on, where are the leftover people? Come on, right? And... And how many, I don't know if anybody remembers, how many baskets full of leftovers? Twelve. How many disciples? Twelve. All right, let's review that again, okay? How many basketfuls left over? Twelve. How many disciples? Twelve. I had this thought when I was reading Mark 6 this week. 
maybe when the disciples were telling Jesus to send the people away, that it was time for them to eat, they were thinking about themselves. Have you ever asked other people, is it time to, you hungry? How many know you hungry really means I'm hungry? Come on, where are the men in the room? That's what we mean, right? If I ask my family, are you hungry? It really is a sign. I'm hungry. Jesus, you think we should feed the people? Because we are hungry. And then Jesus uses them in a miracle. And I can imagine them handing out the food wondering, I wonder what there's going to be for us. And yet here's the amazing thing. When they take care of God's kingdom, God takes care of their need. There's 12 basketfuls. We could picture these big baskets. Probably not the case. These are probably individual lunches in, in Jewish culture. Probably 12 meals are left. 12 meals are left and God feeds every single one of them. Come on. Did you see that or just me? Okay. 12 meals. How many know God takes care of his people, right? And you say, well, pastor, I don't know if God can take care of me. I haven't lived a perfect life. How many know even in the 12 was Judas and yet God's Jesus grace was there even for the one who would betray him one day, right? And I'm here to remind us today when we are faithful to do what God's called us to do for God's kingdom, God will be faithful to take care of us. Or, or I put it this way, God knows, God knows what we need down even to the smallest detail. Jesus could have left 14 baskets left, eight ba Why does he leave 12? Because he's trying to shout in, in his faithfulness to each disciple, I know exactly what you need. The Christian faith is the only faith that has a God powerful enough and big enough to do something about our, about our lives, but also small enough to have entered in human flesh to care about the details of our life. Big enough to do something about it, small enough to care about it, to have the, the stars uh, uh, or the hair on our head uh, numbered and the stars of the sky, sky named. How many know God cares about his people? And when we're faithful, Faithful with him, he'll be faithful with us, right? Even to the smallest detail, he takes care of them. And I'm not trying to preach this like preach blessing theology that like if you just give God a dollar, he gives you a ton. But I am telling you this, when you and I trust God in faithful generosity, God says, I am going to absolutely take care of you. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, right? God knows what we need. God takes care of his people, even down to the smallest detail. He takes care of his people, right? In every way, he takes care of his people. I spent two days uh, over Thanksgiving with my sister and uh, she sometimes watches online, so it's okay if I tell about her, but she's a very type A person. You know what that means, right? Yeah. And she uh, she texted me as we we're driving home from Carolina from Thanksgiving. She's like, I handled all the drinks for your family. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I put soda under the seats of the van. But the problem is when I hit the brakes, I just felt Sprite fly all the way up near my feet. And I said, I already know that. I almost got in an accident. It's flying under my feet. I can't brake on the highway. Thanks for that. You know, you saved me 11 cents. Of course, I... I'm in an accident, you know what I mean? Uh, 
But here's what she was saying. Like, even when you weren't there, I was thinking of taking care of you. I was under, and I just had this picture of a God who's just providing for his people, who's leading and guiding his people, that as we're about his business, faithfully doing what he's called us to do, he's saying, I'm going to keep 12 baskets left for you. I'm going to take care. I'm going to take, if you take care of my kingdom, I'm going to take care of your kingdom. But seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness, Jesus said. And all these things will be added to you as well. He says, for the pagans think, chase after these things. What will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? How will I handle tomorrow? Jesus says, I know you have need of this. And I will take care of you. I'm just reminding us today, when we're faithful with God, when we put him first, when we honor him with compassion and generosity and giving all of our lives to him to make a difference, to live for a purpose, he takes care of his people. Can anybody say amen today? He takes care of his people. Would you bow your heads all over this room? In just a second, I'm going to turn the service over to Scott's edition. But if you're here this weekend, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm ready. Uh, that I'm really living my life on purpose. The Bible says the only way to get ready to see God is to accept the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. It's not by being good enough by trusting Christ. So no one's looking around here in Midlothian or Scott's Edition or online or in the jail. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure my life is right with God. On this weekend, I want to give my life to Jesus. Will you just lift your hand up real quick and put it right back down? By lifting it up, you're saying, pray for me today. Yes, I see your hand. Are there others? Yes, thank you. For, yes, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pray for me today, Pastor. I'm not sure where I'm at. Yes, young lady, I see that. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm right where you're seated. You just say, God, I know, um, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short of your standard. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. Today, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. Would you save me today? Would you make me one of your children? Would you come on the inside of me? Forgive my sin. Take away my shame and give me a new start. Today I give my life fully to you. Turning away from my sin, repenting, and trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Be my Lord and the Savior of my life. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.